Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no offseason. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on the 26th day of October 2017. The Sully Baseball Studio, actually outside the Sully Baseball Studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Um, there are days when... The term crazy is thrown around too liberally. Like, oh man, did you see that double play? It was crazy. He actually had to flip it underhand. Or, man, did you see the, I had uh, run out of Honey Nut Cheerios and I had to pour some Raisin Bran in it too. That's crazy. You know, people use crazy for that, something that doesn't happen every day. But sometimes it's, it's overused. Yesterday was a crazy game. Game two of the 2017 World Series was a crazy game. And we are now two games into this World Series. And it is shaping up to be a eventful, star-studded, and kind of crazy World Series. We've already had one pretty good game. Game one was a pretty good game. Game two was a cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs Looney Tunes game. And now the series goes to Houston for at least three games. Now, let me uh, talk you through a little bit of... I mean, you're, if you're a baseball fan, you're, you have heard a lot of analysis, and there's a lot of thoughts to be had of this game. Um, Verlander was terrific, save for a couple of pitches. He was throwing a no-hitter into the fifth. And they took him out after six, and I probably would have left him in. But, you know, your pal Sully, what do I know? And the, the A.J. Hinch has to take a good long look in the mirror and say, can I hand the ball to Ken Giles anymore with the game on the line? And the answer may have to be no. He hasn't looked good for a while. Even when he closed out the division series against the Red Sox, he let up an inside-the-park home run to Rafael Devers. He's not someone, look, he's had, a, he's had a fine season. But he's clearly, clearly not at the top of his game right now. And you're not talking about removing him for an entire season. You're just saying, hey, uh, maybe we look at some of our other options because there's a maximum of five games left in the year. You're not talking about 162. You're talking about five. And the type of series where a bounce here and a bounce there could be the difference between whether or not this is the ultimate Astros team that finally wins the world championship and rewrites history, or just another frustrating year where they came up agonizingly close. Now, you know this is going through his head because he let Lance McCullers throw the final four innings of Game 7 of the American League Championship Series for the four-out save. But I was watching Giles pitch the other night. And I was sitting there with my sons, and I kept saying, take him out. Seriously, take him out. His, His pitches are not doing what they're supposed to do. He might be out of gas. He's never pitched this long of a season. He might be in a funk. I don't know. He may be coming up short in a big series. I don't like to say things like that. Maybe it's mechanical. Whatever it is, sometimes you got to take the car keys away from someone. 
Charlie Manuel figured that out in the postseason in 2009 and eventually took the car keys away from Brad Lidge and turned to other pitchers down the stretch to, to close out games. Bruce Bochy, if he felt that Sergio Romo or Santiago Casilla were not doing the job, guess what? Hunter Strickland would close out a game. He'd leave Bumgarner in. Now, one of the nice things that has happened over the last few years is you've seen less and less of the tyranny of the save. You've seen less and less of, you know, of course you have seen some instances of managers relying too much on the closer in their role, like Buck Showalter in the wild card game, like Joe Madden in this year's National Championship Series, but you've also seen managers like Frank Kona, like A.J. Hinch, like Dave Roberts, who have not been afraid to handle the pitching staff in a way that says, I'm going to bring the best pitcher in for the best time and not necessarily play to the stats. Now, if I were A.J. Hinch, I would not be looking at saves and not be looking at, well, this guy's got the experience of a closer, and more at this point, look at, okay, who's the best matchup for this, that, or the other thing? Who's the best person for this particular situation? I would have, you know, if you have a Devensky, if you have a Gregerson, if you have a Francisco Liriano, if you have a Brad Peacock, you look at the situations where you say, hey, who's the best pitcher for this moment? Because, as I said, five games left. Five games left, and you got to try to win three. And nobody, and I mean nobody, is counting saves at this point. And say, well, you know, it's what we've done all year. It doesn't matter what you've done all year. And Hinch has to just sit down and say, do you know what? I can't manage as if I'm going to definitely hand the ball to Giles to finish it. Because you can't trust him at this point. Now, now, to be fair, I want to just, I, I am rooting for the LA Dodgers. I do want to see the Dodgers win the World Series. But I have no ill will towards the Astros. And if the Astros win, I won't be, you know, shaking my fist at the sky saying, how could a god be so cruel to me? In a way, what I'm actually rooting for is a game seven and the starting pitchers be Clayton Kershaw and Justin Verlander. That would be pretty amazing. As amazing as this helicopter that's flying right over me right now. It's freaking blue thunder right above me. Roy Scheider and Daniel Stern are flying right over my heads right now. Catch you later. If you got that reference, you're welcome. But the Astros are in a position where they stole a game. If they lost that game yesterday, do you want this series is all but over? And we're talking about, can they avoid a sweep? Yes, yes, I know the Astros are so much better at home, but that's part of the problem. They're so much better at home. They nearly lost both games in Boston. They have two road victories, and they got out of there by the skin of their teeth both times. And they could have lost either one of them. And so, and at home, they've been, obviously, they've been dominant. And so they needed to take one of these games in L.A. If they were down 0-2, I don't care. This series is done. And with that in mind, once they get home, you have to throw the book into the proverbial garbage. 
I want to see a great series. I want this to be a memorable series. Last year was a series for the ages, especially Game 7, which has to be one of the most memorable baseball games in the history of baseball. Last night was one of the best. Game 2s was a great early game. I mean, you're going to remember that one, if for no other reason than how weird it was. And the fact that the bats came alive at the right time, there were all those late home runs, it was a bit crazy. And of course, the Dodger bullpen, which was the reason I picked the Dodgers over Houston, had a completely unexpected meltdown, and yet still nearly won the game. They still came with, I mean, Bellinger hit one to the wall, you know, they still were rallying right to the very end, and I, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen, and nor did you. And with Kike Hernandez at, at second base at that point, with the tying, you know, tying the game, yeah, yeah, we all thought the Dodgers were going to win that game. Now, I'll get to the Dodgers in a second. But the fact that the Astros snuck out of L.A. with one victory, they have to, with this off day, just take a big old collective sigh and just look at the matchups. It all just has to be who is the best pitcher at this particular moment. They did it in the ALCS. But any, any allegiance to Giles has to go. He looks spent. He looks gassed. I'm not saying bury him. I'm not saying don't use him. But what I am saying is don't automatically go to him. You can't automatically go to him. And maybe there is a situation where, hey, do you know what? Gregerson might be the best one to close. This is the tyranny of the save being exposed. It's what I've talked about. If you remove the win-loss stat and the save stat, how would you manage? How would you examine it? You would manage totally differently. I was watching it unfold last night like a slow-motion car crash. What was happening with Giles on the mound with two outs, nobody on, and him not being able to find the strike zone. And my son Aiden was curled up next to me on the couch, and I kept saying, they got to take him out of this game. they got to take him out. At that point, if they had brought in Davinsky, if they brought in Peacock, if they brought in Liriano, whoever they did to get that final out at that point, would anyone have blinked? You know, Giles would have gotten the win, and Davinsky or Peacock or whoever would have gotten the save. Fine, how do you do? Everyone's happy with their stats for the day. But... You have to move forward and say, if Giles is the best pitcher for this moment, fine. But do not say, well, it's the ninth, get Giles' arm warm. Say, hey, it's the ninth, who's coming up? Who is the best matchups? Who's the best kind of pitcher who will get these batters out? Because that's what you're going to have to do. And if you wind up having three or four different pitchers getting saves in this World Series, actually you can only have three because Davinsky closed the game out yesterday and he didn't get the save, he got the win. That's neither here nor there. I shouldn't be counting that. You know, if you have to use McCullers, if you have to use Morton, if you have to use Keuchel, do you know what? You have to cut and claw and drag and scream your way for each individual win. The Astros have a wonderful chance to win the World Series right now because all they have to do is win all their home games and they will be crowned champs. And we'll be able to have Halloween in Los Angeles County without worrying about whether or not there's a ball game on. The Astros are going to win a game at home. They're going to do it. They've never won a World Series game 
before last night. Now they have. They have home field advantage. Now, they will win at least one game at home. I think the Dodgers are going to pull out one win on the road. I think this series is definitely going at least six. I think I picked the Dodgers in six. Did I make an official pick? I don't really know. And at this point, I don't really care. What I want is lots of games that are second-guessers delights and with drama and big home runs and everything like that. Now, I've talked a little bit about how the Astros should be handling their pitching staff. Let's turn our attention to the hometown team, Los Angeles. Now, I know this is the obvious thing to criticize, but do you know what? It's obvious for a reason, and there are other elements to it. There are sometimes you can over-mix and match. Yesterday, Rich Hill threw four innings, let up three hits, he walked three, he struck out seven batters in four innings, let up a single run, and was removed. Removed after four. And Kenta Maeda threw an inning and a third. Um, Watson pitch came in to pitch. Do you remember how many pitches Watson threw? How many pitches do you think Watson threw for L.A.? I'll tell you how many pitches he threw. He threw one. One. Got the double play, got out of the inning, and then was lifted. And then guess what? Do you know how many pitches Stripling threw? He threw four. So two of the pitchers that Los Angeles used out of the bullpen combined for five pitches. Their starting pitcher, who had some control issues, but got through the fourth, letting up a single run and striking out a ton, was not allowed to go five innings. Two relievers who were high on their depth chart didn't combine for half a dozen pitches. And then we find ourselves in a situation where Kenley Jansen had to come in the eighth inning. And eventually, if you keep, you know, putting a pitcher out there day in and day out, Kenley Jansen doesn't have an ERA of zero, eventually he'll let up a run. Now, the handling of Hill and having such a quick hit, you know, such a quick uh, hook on Watson and Stripling going to Morrow early and going to Jansen early. You know, I mean, that was... I mean, look it. All of that would be moot if Jansen threw a 1-2-3 inning. I may even be praising Dave Roberts and saying, oh, man, look at it. He handled this, he handled that, and look at it. They're up 2-0. But they're not. And Jansen let up a home run. Would, would he have if he only threw one inning as opposed to two? I don't know. Neither do you, but that's not the point. And Josh Fields came out and gave one of the worst relief performances in the history of humanity. Granny threw an inning, and they were left to having Brandon McCarthy. Brandon McCarthy, who hadn't pitched in over a month, came out and let up the home run to Springer. But had the Dodgers tied the game, guess what? He pitched the rest of the game. If it went 22 innings, it would still be McCarthy up there chucking up pumpkins. The Astros at least still had a few pitchers, including uh, the aforementioned Gregerson and Liriano in their bullpen. This is something that drove me crazy about 
Joe Girardi, who I, of course, I'm going to get to in this podcast, when he would like lift pitchers and like he would make a, a relief change with two outs and nobody on because it was a lefty-righty situation, I'm thinking, Joe, why don't you leave that guy in? I mean, he can get this batter out. There's nobody on and two outs. You knew if it goes, and I'm, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, if this goes deep into extra innings, you may want to have a pitcher or two. Now, you, now, with the game on the line, and I've said this before, with the game on the line, you use your best pitchers. And to be fair, the Dodgers used their two best relievers, Morrow and Jansen, late when the game was on the line. But the problem is how they used the pitchers before that. Hill, Maeda, Watson, and Stripling, all before, you know, all before the, uh, the seventh inning or before a single out could be recorded in the seventh inning, to be more correct. Hill could have gone at least at least one more inning, probably two. Now, I'm not going to go there, my day they went nine. I don't care about that. In your day, they didn't have this kind of bullpen that they have. But at the same time, when you're mixing and matching and reaching for the, the, the remote to make a switch too early can sometimes come back and backfire. It almost killed the Cubs last year when they lifted Hendricks too soon in Game 7 of the World Series. Hill could have gone 5. I don't think anyone in the world can deny that. I think he could have gone 6. But 4 was ridiculous. You know... It was one nothing after 4 innings. And it wasn't like he was lifting for a pinch hitter with a bases loaded situation. It was one nothing. It wasn't like the Astros had blown the doors off the dump. It was by all nature, by all metrics, a tight game. And he went to it too soon. So what I'm saying is, look it. Keep in mind, you may have to go deep. And maybe don't do all the crazy mixing and matching in the 6th and 7th inning just because you can. You know, sometimes stretching that out, I don't know, could help. Or maybe use a pitcher for more than one pitch or four pitches. Maybe see if you can get squeeze an extra out or something out of it. Well, look it. As it turned out, what was a tight pitcher's duel turned into home run freaking derby in extra innings. And some people got on Charlie Culberson for hitting that home run in the bottom of the 11th inning that brought him to within one for celebrating too much. And some people were on Carlos Correa's bat flip and everything. And if you got on either one of them, let me tell you something. You're a miserable human being. Charlie Culberson is a guy who's essentially a utility player who had a big walk-off home run to clinch the division last year. And now he gets to hit a home run in the World Series. If he wants to pump his fist and look happy, do you know what? Have you hit an extra inning home run in the World Series? I sincerely doubt you have. So let him do that. He should, if you hit a home run in extra innings of the World Series, you should celebrate like... Um, what's an, ex- an example I can give? I don't know, like hitting a home run in extra innings of a World Series game. How about like that? 
And if you want to flip a bat, flip a bat. If you want to go out there and have the USC marching band circle the bases with you, go ahead. Well, I mean, what is the, why is there so much fun police in baseball? If you want to celebrate, celebrate. You're in the World Series. And one of the things that you hear people say against celebration, like, hey, hey, your team's losing. Or, hey, hey, it's a regular season game or something like that. Well, what if you hit a go-ahead home run in the 11th inning of the World Series? Shouldn't that require, I don't know, a little bit of happiness, a little bit of celebration? Is that really out of line? Are you really that miserable a human being that that upsets you? Can you imagine how awful your life must be that someone flipping a bat or celebrating a guy who's not a big star, who's not going to have a ton of highlights on his great highlight reel, is happy that he's doing what you would ask a goddamn genie for. Sorry, Ray. So just, you know, if you find yourself, oh, why do they have to be so disrespectful? Oh, shut up. Shut up. They're having fun playing a game that you would love to be them. Just put your head down like you've been there before. Do you want Charlie Culberson hasn't been there before? And neither have you. So let him celebrate and have some fun. All of baseball is a series of plays and events that are lined up in a way, in the order. Basically, the final score is the sum total of all the, the events and the things that ball bounce this way or bounce that way is the difference between a win or a loss, and sometimes a pennant or not, or a championship or not. At one point in the game, after KK Hernandez tied the game with a hit to, to right field with two outs in the 10th inning, he got to second base, and they brought in Davinsky, and Giles had just been awful, and Davinsky turned around to try to pick off Hernandez, and basically where he threw the ball was not at second base. And it would have gone into center field. And I'm sure George Springer was not ready to field a ball at that point. And certainly not one being thrown. And I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think if that ball went into center field, and the fact that Hernan- you know, Springer would have to pick it up in center field, Hernandez would be running to third, I think Hernandez may have scored, and that would have won the game for L.A. Instead, the, the pickoff throw was so terrible. It, didn't, it wasn't one that was going to sail over the head of the infielder. I can't remember if it was Correa or Altuve. Instead, it nailed umpire Laz Diaz. It nailed him and ricocheted back to the infield. And after finding out that Diaz was all right, you know, Kiki Hernandez goes back to second. And the inning continued, and eventually uh, Davinsky got out of the inning. But stop and think about that for a second. The Astros, who were up by two runs after back-to-back home runs by Altuve and Correa, and they left the home run to Puig, and for some reason they didn't bring in another reliever, and then Giles just lost all of his control, and Hernandez tied the game. At that point, the Astros were in full meltdown. Absolute full meltdown. And they were going to have the highlight. The highlight of the meltdown. The image of the meltdown. The symbol of the meltdown. 
which would have been the pitcher turned the ball around, threw it into center field, chaos ensued, the Dodgers win. And instead, it was so bad, and the meltdown was so intense. And that's the reason why I think that, uh, that where he threw it and how fast he threw it and the fact that Springer probably wasn't expecting it to go there would have allowed uh, Hernandez to score. And it was so bad that it hit the umpire. If it didn't hit Laz Diaz, the Dodgers are up 2-0 in this series. It did hit Laz Diaz, and so the Dodgers aren't. It went another inning, and the Astros held on by the skin of their teeth. Now keep that in mind. As the series is tied and the Astros now have home field advantage, keep that in mind if the Astros go on to win games 3, 4, and 5 or take the series lead. Keep that in mind if this goes to a seventh game. Now, of course, how a team plays 1-1 might be different than how a team plays up 2-0 or down 2-0. I don't know the answer to that. But that is how fragile our reality is. I keep thinking about things like that, about our, re- our reality of what happened yesterday is the Astros were down facing the toughest bullpen in the National League, the best closer in the National League, and were able to rally, come back, rally, fall apart, and rally again and hold on and do all those things and hang on by the skin of their teeth to win the first ever World Series game in franchise history. That's the story of what happened last night. And if a ball had been a foot to the left, a foot to the right instead of where it was thrown, it, the story would have been the Dodgers had a hiccup in the ninth inning, but every time the Astros tried to rally, the Dodgers showed why they are who they are, never say die spirit, and the Dodgers held on. Get ready for Dodger baseball. Vin Scully's doing shtick with Fernando Valenzuela on the mound. Oh, I'm bleeding Dodger blue, and it probably would have gone on to be a sweep. The other game two that ever took place in the history of Houston was game two in Chicago in 2005. In that game, the Astros had a lead. There was a bad hit-by-pitch call by the umpire. That replay showed actually didn't hit Jermaine Dye, and Paul Canerco followed it up with a grand slam. And then the Astros took, you know, tied the game in the top of the ninth with a dramatic hit by Jose Vizcaino. And they brought in their closer, Brad Lidge, in battle with Brad Lidge, and he faced Scott Podsegnik, who hit zero home runs in the regular season that year. And Podsegnik hit a walk-off homer. Well, the story of that game could have been, if the call on Jermaine Dye was correct, could have been the Astros fought back to win game two and tie the series. And the entire complexion of the World Series would have been changed and different. That's how fragile reality is a blown call against you know in the favor of the White Sox a pickoff attempt that ricochets off the leg of an umpire this is how fragile reality is because the order of events afterwards are completely changed are completely altered if that one thing had happened and that one tiny variation on what happened would have happened on the field 
So, here we are. The Astros have tied the series because Davinsky's pickoff throw was more terrible than we could possibly imagine. And no box score will show that. If you watch the game, the Astros almost threw it away. And essentially they did. But fate put Laz Diaz's leg in the way. And if there was no save in this game, because Davinsky came in with a tie game and, and he finished the game out, so he was the pitcher of record with a victory. But there was a save. It was Laz Diaz's leg and the fragility of reality. Now, as crazy as that game was last night, it was not as crazy as the news that happened this afternoon to the point where I actually had to look to see if it was real. Joe Girardi is gone from the Yankees. Now, whether or not it was by his account or by the fact that he maybe he wanted to leave or maybe the Yankees want to go a different direction, whatever you think of Joe Girardi, and as I hinted at before, his handling of pitchers can sometimes... Look, it doesn't drive me crazy because I'm not a Yankee fan, but I shake my head at it a lot. But there's one thing you can't argue with is the fact that Joe Girardi has had success as a manager. Oh, Sully, he has an unlimited payroll. Anyone can win with the Yankees. Shut up. Just shut up. If you've watched the Yankees or followed the Yankees, you've known a bunch of things. First of all, that huge payroll has sometimes been, oh, I don't know, kind of bloated. You know, when Alex Rodriguez was being paid $26 million or whatever he was being paid to sit on the bench, or this year, Jacoby Ellsbury was paid 20 something million dollars to be a pinch runner and, and a defensive replacement outfielder. Is that really talking about the payroll at its peak? They, were, they had high-priced players, sure, but high-priced players not in their prime. And with that in mind, there have been a bunch of years where the Yankees have been severely outmanned. In 2016, three American League East teams made the postseason. None of them were the Yankees. You had you know, wild-card teams from the AL East in several years, and the Rays one year, it was Blue Jays-Orioles another year, and yet the Yankees, for a bunch of the years, were not a playoff team. And it wasn't because of the incompetency of Joe Girardi, but because he had an aging team. And this year was supposed to be a rebuilding year. And look what happened. In this rebuilding year, the New York Yankees got to one game one game of winning the World Series. They had two shots. And in fact, game six of the ALCS was no score in the, in the fifth inning and a 3-1 account in the eighth inning. You know, they had a shot. Game six was a winnable game for the Yankees, and they lost game seven for nothing. So it wasn't like they were blown out of the dump. And they defeated the one team that everyone on the planet Earth, including your pal Sully, thought was going to the World Series. That was the Cleveland Indians. A team that had destiny on its side, fate on its side, came within one swing of winning the World Series in 2016, came into this year with a sense of purpose and the huge winning streak and all the intensity and a two-game-to-none lead going into Game 3. And with all the people pointing at Girardi for blowing that decision to not challenge the hit by, you know, whether that was a hit by pitch and on, uh, was that Santana that led to the Liriano Grand Slam. I bet you even forgot about that. And got this Yankee team 
they got to within one game of beating two 100-win teams in the postseason. I know it can sometimes be a tough argument to say the Yankees were the underdogs, but guess what? On paper, on everything except for uniforms, the Yankees were the underdog. They were not as talented as Cleveland. They were not as talented as Houston. And yet, they beat Cleveland. And they nearly beat Houston. And it is a new cast of characters there. There is no more A-Rod. There is no more Jeter. There is no more Posada. There is no more Rivera. This is the era of Judge and Sanchez and Bird and Severino. This is a new team emerging partially through some savvy trades last year and partly through a farm system. And I'll give Brian Cashman and the front office credit because I've criticized them mightily over the years, so i got to give them praise. They have developed a fine team, a team that won 90 games ahead of schedule, a team that got to Game 7 of the American League's championship series ahead of schedule. A team that didn't let the fact that they were down 2-0 to Cleveland and down 2-0 to Houston and, and losing badly in Game 4 to get, you know, get under their skins. They've developed a new superstar that they didn't have to import. Aaron Judge is going to be one of the biggest stars in New York, both physically and in terms of his star power. And Girardi is a fine manager who sometimes is a head-scratcher. I have no idea what he's like as a human being, and unless you play for the Yankees, you don't either. Is he probably Mr. Cute and Cuddly Teddy Bear? No, he's not, but do you know what? He's a fine manager. And it, they're going to give the car keys to someone else. And it didn't strike me that Girardi was the problem. I know a lot of Yankee fans that drives him crazy that he goes by the binder all the time. I get that. Trust me, I get that. But is it worth this? Now, if you look up and they, the Yankees turn around and offer... Dave Martinez, who I think is the best managerial prospect out there, and hand him the car keys, okay, all right. But if they go out and get a generic manager like a Brad Ausmus, or even turn it to someone within the clubhouse like Tony Pena, who has managerial experience with the Royals, or Rob Thompson, um, is, are those options really better than Joe Girardi? Is that really a better situation than having Joe Girardi? You know, there was a point in my life where the Yankees changing their managers was not just an annual thing, but something would always happen within the season as well. But since 1995, this is this is now the will be the third manager or the fourth manager since the era of the wild card. You had Buck Showalter, and then you had Torrey from '96 to 2007. And you've had Girardi from 2008 to 2017. Ten seasons with the Yankees, including a World Series title and several trips to the postseason. Now, uh, there's a couple of things I think Joe Girardi should do. First of all, I would immediately call the Washington Nationals. I would call the Nats, sign on with them, and say, hey, they're a team that's already a playoff team. And it would make sense for the Nationals because they've tried high-profile managers before. Yeah, let's keep throwing them out there. Whoever wins, it's kind of almost like a game of Russian roulette. You get two years to win with the Nats, and if not, we'll kick you out and get another high-profile manager. Um, 
And if Girardi wins there, then the fact that he was a manager of the year with Miami, or they were Florida then, won a World Series with the Yankees, all these postseason trips, and win with Washington, then, you know, then he has a potential Cooperstown resume. And maybe that place would let him stick around for 10 years. And people were, oh, man, I even forgot he was manager of the Yankees for a while. There's also two other teams in the National League East who don't have managers right now. And they're in the middle of major league rebuilding. And looks like it could be a successful rebuilding. The Philadelphia Phillies, while they had a bad win-loss record last year, are filled with young talent. And having a steady veteran like Joe Girardi as the manager of the team, suddenly you look up and they turn around on his watch, kind of like what happened when Jim Leland took over the Tigers or when Joe Madden took over the Cubs, and say, oh my God, he's a genius, he's a genius, he's a genius, and there we go. The Atlanta Braves are much further along than the Philadelphia Phillies, and, but I think if either one of those, the Braves or the Phillies, if they bring a Joe Girardi in, all of a sudden these young players have a steady manager they can look up to and could lead them to an NL East title sooner rather than later. Or he could just sign with Washington and win right away. If I were a team that had a generic manager and is rebuilding right now or has you know, aspirations for something greater, I would consider taking one look at our manager and say, I'd rather have Girardi. I'm looking at you, Seattle Mariners. The other team that I would really think should be interested in Joe Girardi, and listen to me closely, is Baltimore. Let me tell you why. Buck Showalter was the manager of the Yankees in 1995. He was let go after the 1995 season. They won the World Series in 1996. Buck Showalter became the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks. They let him go after the 2000 season. They won the World Series in 2001. Buck Showalter was the manager of the Texas Rangers in the mid to late 2000s. They let him go. Ron Washington took over. They won back-to-back pennants and came within a Nelson Cruz leap of winning the World Series. Buck Showalter is the manager of the Baltimore Orioles. They've made the playoffs several times, but can't get over the hump. You fire Showalter, you put in Girardi, and watch the World Series show up. I'm just saying there's precedent for that. And why not? Why the F not? So I don't understand this move from the Yankees. Part of me wants them to have, bring in Dusty Baker, although it would be hard for me to root against Dusty. I like Dusty. I'd love to see Dusty manage a team like the Phillies or the Braves or some team like that, but I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't get what the Yankees are doing. Maybe they have someone in their, in their mind. Maybe they think that there's, uh, this young team needs a young manager. I don't get it. I don't get it. I would have kept Girardi... If you're a Yankee fan, you know, you don't believe me or you don't uh, agree with me, let me know. But think about this. Three Eastern teams made the postseason this year. The Boston Red Sox won the AL East division. The Yankees were the wild card and got to within one win of winning the American League pennant. And the Washington Nationals got to game five of the National League division series against the Cubs. All three of those managers... Out. Out. That's weird, isn't it? That's weird. All three of those teams made the postseason. All three of those teams won 90 games. And two of them got very close to it. I mean, if the Red Sox had held on to that lead in Game 4, there would have been a do-or-die Game 5, and the 
the Nationals had a lead in Game 5. And they both were precariously close to moving on. And here we are. They're out of work. I don't think Girardi's going to be out of work very long. Wouldn't it be wild if the Yankees hired John Farrell? They won't, but it would be wild. So, Game 3 of the World Series is tomorrow. I like how this World Series is unfolding. And I'm going to keep talking a little bit about it this whole week. So go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Trevin, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. Music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Talking about the insanity of the bullpen and the firing of Joe Torre. Was it a firing or resigning? We may never know. This is Sully Baseball for the 26th day of October 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.